are listening to the Paranormal Chronicles radio show. Here is your host, paranormal researcher and author of the best-selling A Most Haunted House, Gavin Lee Davis. Welcome, my name is GL Davis and I'm the founder of theparanormalchronicles.com and author of the number one best-selling terrifying true account that is Haunted Horror of Haverford West. Please be advised that this episode contains some adult themes. Discretion is advised and if you are playing in the family car you may want to skip this episode and download another show from the season. Our ongoing series, Into the Unknown, is brought to you by sixth-books.com. Sixth-books.com brings you hundreds of books on the supernatural, spiritual and the unknown. So please visit sixth-books.com today. Remember to follow so you never miss an episode. Plus, you get entered into our monthly prize draw to win cool paranormal books. Your free paranormal digital magazine is available for everyone at www.theparanormalchronicles.com forward slash magazine. 175 pages of ghost pictures, UFO encounters, hauntings, and so much more for free. So head over to www.theparanormalchronicles.com forward slash magazine. If you have a theory, account, or experience that you'd like to share, then visit The Paranormal Chronicles on Instagram or Facebook, tweet at Paracron, or email paranormalchronicles at aol.com. We want to hear from you, and you could feature in one of the fastest growing podcasts on the planet on tonight's show. Ghosts, hauntings, and sirens. What did one man have lurking in his flat? Did an entity sit on his chest? What did one psychic medium tell him that changed his life forever? Why is horror filmmaker and author of the new horror sensation Nightwaves, David Irons, captivated by the myth of sea sirens? Why is he obsessed with horror and is there a connection between horror and sex? This is an amazing interview and it does cover some adult themes. David Irons is an award-winning filmmaker, writer, photographer and artist living in West Sussex. His films, colourful and stylish in design, have won awards at the Cambridge Film Festival, Las Vegas Festival and LA Independent Festival for cinematography, editing and directing. His short films break the mould of the usual bleak English fear and have led David to a career in music videos, commercials and to his first micro-budget feature, Cassette. David's first horror novel, Nightwaves, A Killer Sea Siren Tale, is out today and available wherever books are sold. This is how one man's many experiences with the paranormal brought him on a journey into the world of horror. On with the show. Before we even begin, our listeners love to hear a good, true account of the paranormal. Do you have any you can share with us, David? Yeah, I do. I do have a few things I'd, uh, I could share, to be honest. It was a few years ago, and I think it was about 2013, when I first met my girlfriend. And uh, within a very short time, unfortunately, my mum got very ill and she passed away. A huge blow to her, like, it's life-changing. My girlfriend shares an interest in the paranormal, and she wanted some sort of confirmation that her mum had moved on to a better place that everything was fine there and one day this was the first there was three main incidents and it leads into the kind of the end of the story in a way and the first instant we were sitting in a house and uh, and she was there and she was saying i just want proof out loud this is sitting in the room hands outstretched out loud i want proof that my mum is in a better place that she's okay that everything's fine and i was just being reassuring and saying yeah i'm sure she is you know we believe in this stuff and at the moment when she said that all the lights in the house not just snapping on and off like when you you know like when you're playing a joke with someone and you, and you, and you flip and it goes from light to dark, light to dark. Everything was crack. The electric was crackling. You could hear it. The 
like there is when there's like there's a demon coming and the lights are dimming and there's a crackling in the air and that started happening and i was sitting there looking around and i'm like i said it was a new thing i was like does it normally happen in your house is this like what's going on and she kind of calmed down and then the lights stopped and i was like okay this was that was a bit weird and she took a second to take it in because she was quite emotional at the time and it was like yeah that was that was quite strange and then there was another time when she was at my house we were filming something we were making this short promo film and we had like this deck of fake polaroid pictures that we was using to stick up on a wall and all this business so we had this pile of polaroids and they were up on a shelf and we were sitting there and my girlfriend turned around and she said do you know where that candle is i just want to light a candle for my mum and just do something nice for her and i was yeah i don't know where it is it could be in here somewhere i'm, I'm not really sure and as we said this there was this flicking sound and this deck of polaroid pictures just flittered across the room just arced in the air fell everywhere on the floor i was sitting there just kind of dumbstruck like okay well why did that happen and she looked at me i looked at her and she was close to where they came from and just kind of said what's there what did that and she looked around this corner at this shelf and she was like well that's where the candle is and the candle that she was looking for the polaroids are on the top of the candle and they're just scattered everywhere and there it was it just revealed itself that's where the candle is that was quite odd i'll, I'll be completely honest i was okay yeah maybe we don't say things out loud anymore <laughs> like just yeah. i've got to live in this house yeah <laughs> I, I live here like you get to go home but i have to stay here and yeah i'm gonna have to look at the candle and the shelf that they flew off so yeah let's, let's just calm it down but then it went by a few weeks and she came back around and and we were there and we was doing things and just having a nice day and i'd bought some flowers and a lot of vase flowers and put it in the window and the window was shut it was all locked up there's no draft there's nothing coming through not a single thing and she started speaking out loud and she goes like i oh, just really it's a thing like it, it, in my soul i just want to know i just want a sign i want something to know that my mum's okay i just want to know and as she's saying this the vase of flowers is behind us if, if, if everyone imagines a vase of flowers standing in front of you just straight in front of you now the furthest left hand flower in that vase and i'm looking at it and she's standing in front of it and it lifted up this flower and shifted in a semicircle around the inside of the vase and stopped parallel to where it was on the right hand side so it just moved in a full semicircle around the outside of this vase and i watched it i watched it spin around turn around every, like shifted past all the other flowers just one flower and i was there kind of mouth wide open like, like this and, yeah. she, and she's like what 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 what, what, what? And I'm like, look, 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 look. and she's turned around and she's just seen this thing shift into position and it's kind of bobbing the head of this flower's bobbing and she's like well what and i said that moved okay did you see it? she was well, i can see it's moving now what happened i explained to her and all the flowers in that vase of flowers died bar the one that moved around and her mum's favorite flower uh, favorite color was yellow and they were white orchids and every flower died apart from this one and it turned yellow it stayed alive for about six or seven months it was just alive for ages i'm very open-minded about things but skeptical like I, I want to believe i know that sounds like a cliche but it's just like okay like i know some people falsify these things you know some of these things i believe there's no other explanation apart from that happened it had to have happened it, it's too true not to have happened when you hear some of these ghost stories you know you want to believe some of these paranormal encounters then one day she found out in the middle of hertfordshire the middle of nowhere there was a, a like a psychic evening like a pub in the middle of nowhere and she goes, should we go? And I said, yeah, yeah, let's go along. So we were kind of talking about these things on the way there. And when we get there, it was like, you get 15 minutes free to talk to a, a psychic and then you have to pay after that. So she went up and did the 15 minutes to come back. And she said like, yeah, they were saying things and they did kind of make sense to me. Do you want to go up 
and and then speak to them. It's like a one-on-one. It wasn't like a group thing, like a spiritual church or anything. It was just like a, a one-on-one. So I went up there and saw this lady. And I wish, I just, it's just that thing. I just wish I would have kept her contact details. But you just don't at the time. It's just when things happen, it's like, oh, okay, I've just had this experience. And you walk away and you think, damn, after I should have done that. So I went to see her. And years ago, it was about 2004, 2005, I had a major accident where I fell off a ladder sideways and put my hand out to stop myself oh. before I hit the floor and subsequently broke my arm in four places. Uh, it's, it's called an S break. So imagine if your arm was kind of buckled to the shape of an S where the bone Oh, good God, just, that's horrible. It was horrific. Yeah. So this thing happened and they said to me, like, you're never going to be able to use the arm properly again and so on and so forth. And I was like, no, I'm, I'm going to. I don't, I don't take that diagnosis. So I, I will use it again. And it's fine. It's absolutely fine now. Like uh, they had to have it pinned for like six months and so on and so forth. But it was, but it's, I can use it. It's, it doesn't cause me any problems. Every now and then when it's cold, you might feel something a little bit, but it, very rarely. Like, I, I can't really say I have any problem. And so I'm there and I'm talking to the psychic. And all of a sudden, my arm just feels like there's some kind of voltage going through it. Uncomfortably so. And so we're sitting there and we're just talking about things. And she's asking me things about my past and what I do. And I'm kind of yes, no, yes, no. Because, I, like I say, I'm slightly sceptical and I just want to really tell me something. Tell me something about me. Tell me what I had for breakfast. What I just watched on TV. Yeah. T- tell me. Like, I want to know. Because no one else knows. Like, I've probably forgotten as well. And you'll remind me if you tell me. But then I'll believe you know things that you shouldn't know we're sitting there and the arms feeling more and more and it's, it's like okay yeah i'm gonna have to try and hide the fact that i can feel something in, in my arm like it i wasn't showing anything outright but i i could quite have easily just itched my arm or did, done something and so she's talking and all of a sudden she turns around and she goes um you do know there's a, a figure in black standing next to you i'm just like okay why and she goes well there's someone who follows you around there's a figure in black and he follows you around and you know him somehow from a a past life or something there's something there's a connection between you two and she goes um he's touching your arm now i was like okay like, that, yeah that kind of makes sense didn't want to let on i'm like yeah i can feel something i can feel something on my arm and uh he's he's telling me something that you that you do something creative you do something creatively and at the time it was like i was really trying to get somewhere in 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 making films in the film world that was my goal that was my ambition and i bought what i hadn't told anyone was i enjoyed it but it's very plastic that whole industry and i had a problem with that it, it didn't sit well with me it was i like doing the work i like filming i like directing people I, I like that kind of stuff but the but the plastic side of it was really dragging me down and i started writing writing prose and i hadn't told anyone and it was just a secret because i was just said let's see how this goes i'm just going to try and write and if, if i can write something and it turns out well then okay then maybe i'll think about being a writer and while i was there and this psychic was telling me that, yeah, there's a the man standing next to me. She said, uh, yeah, he's kind of leaning over the desk now and he's holding like his, his fingers together, like he's holding a, a pen. And, he, and he's like writing on the desk and he's saying and he's just saying to me, right, 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 right. He's got to keep writing, writing, writing. That's what he has to do. Right, right, right. Does this make sense? And it did make sense. And it made sense to me more so because I was, I was like, I know what you're talking about completely because you'd already said it's not going to be the, the thing you you're going to do well in is not the thing that you think you're going to do well in. You're going to change it and you're going to change it to something else. And then she said, he's saying, right, right, right. Does this make sense? And I was like, yeah, it, it does make sense. I do, do you know who he was? Who this man in black well, no, was? No, uh, she said he, he kind of had like a, a, a medieval kind of look to him. It, it was kind of interesting because she, she said that he was there and he was talking to me. And this thing was supposed to be 15 minutes for free. 
I was there for an hour and a half. And did she charge you? No, because she said, I I need to tell you this stuff. She was like, I need to tell you this stuff now. She said, to find happiness, to find success, it's not going to be in the thing that you're doing right now. It's not going to be the film thing. It's going to be the new thing. And this man standing here saying, right, right, right. Does it make sense? Yeah, it makes sense. And she goes, this is what you have to do. You have to write. And while we was there, because I asked the same thing. I was like, do you know who this? And she goes, you know him from somewhere. He knows you. And he, and she and she said that this this guy, he follows you. He follows you and he kind of looks out for you. And he's not a bad figure to be there. And I was like, well, I'm very relieved about that. That, that makes me very happy. But she said, you're capable of doing what I do. And if you wanted to see things, you just have to open your mind and see things. Because she goes, I know you've seen lots of strange things recently and i was like well yeah that's that is true and she said with your girlfriend's grief what happened to her mum and with what you could do you could do what i do if you was open enough about it but she's and she said you don't believe i know you don't believe i can tell she don't believe i was like well i, I kind of want to she goes yeah but if you accepted it she goes you could do what i do and she goes behind you where this man stood next to you she said there's other people standing behind you and all you'd have to do is open yourself up to see them and you'd be able to see them and you'd be able to communicate with them and i'll be completely honest i'm fine with that thanks i, I didn't want to i was just like no this guy's enough if he's saying give me some good advice i'll just stick with this guy i I kind of i don't want to see any more than that but the things that she spoke about that day she went to the one thing no one on this planet knew about because you were were conflicted you didn't know whether to stay with with the movie industry or try something else so it was something internally you were just Mm. trying to work out without other people saying yeah do this or stick with it well, I didn't want to say it out loud because everyone had known me for years. I mean, like I've always, I've loved you know, horror books, horror novels, everything, everything to do with horror. I loved it. And when I started making the films, everyone knows I love films. I love horror films. I love films in general. And it was a hard thing to admit. I knew it was going to be a hard thing to, to admit to other people. But suddenly I was like, I don't think this is for me. And it was hard to admit to myself, but I couldn't imagine saying it out loud to anyone. But I think the thing for me is just being able to be clear headed, just to sit there and write, because I find a, a lot of enjoyment out of that. I get a lot of pleasure from it. I get a lot of fulfillment from doing this. So you'd had another paranormal experience. Is that correct? We were talking before the recording. Was it in by an old slaughterhouse? What was the story oh, there? Because right. I've well, got they... a theory now. I'll tell you something quite funny. I, was, I live next door to this graveyard, and one day my cat used to come home. This black cat, and used to come home. I used to let him in. Get up at six in the morning to let him in. And he used to come in. I can remember him coming in covered in a grey dust. And I was just like, what the hell is this stuff all over you? And you'd come and climb on the bed and circular, circulate around and make a nest. And every morning he was coming back, coming back. It's like, what the hell is this stuff you're covered in? I followed him out one morning. <laughs> And I was just like, I'm going to find you before you come back and see where you are. So I went to the graveyard and I've got a whistle. When he comes to the whistle, you go, and, he, and they'll come. If they're running out and start talking to you and follow you home. I found him and there was a crypt that was slightly subsided. And he'd been in there crawling around on, well, I think you can imagine what the great stuff <laughs> yeah. was he was bringing back. He's a cat. They don't He's care. He's a cat. They didn't care. That meant nothing to him. Yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> so that was kind of a wonderful experience. It was and I had to block this crypt up. Like, yeah, you're not going in. You're not bringing that back on the bed anymore. Let's just let's try and not think about that for a second and just ignore that. The house, the flats where I lived, they used to be an old slaughterhouse. And it was knocked down and then it was a car park and then they turned it into flats. Odd things happened around there. Very odd things happened in those flats and something that started to happen while I was there 
was I love cats. I love animals. My cat is my best mate. Like I sit here and I write, and he comes and sits on me, and it's just like, like I say, it's a real pleasant experience just sitting here you doing take it. Take photographs of him through a planned chat of a Ouija board. I did do that. Yes, you've been looking at my Facebook page. You have, yeah. I've got to um, check who I'm speaking to. I had to make sure I was speaking to the real David Irons, and uh, that was a strange thing to do. But anyway, <laughs> well, no, yeah, yeah. And so I was, <laughs> I was living there in these flats, and I used to let him out at night, and then come and get him at six o'clock in the morning, and let him in. And I let him out one night. It was really late, and this goes back to something that happened on the psychic as well. It all ties together. I went to let him out one night, and as I walked through the hallway, the lights had died in one part of the hallway. And as I walk through there with him, I let him out. He ran down the stairs. I come back. And as I walk past this dark spot, I know for a fact a voice over my shoulder said, is he going to be right out there? Just as a matter of fact, is, that, is he going to be right mm. out there? And I turned around because I thought it was one of my neighbours and there was no one there. And I was like, okay, that was really weird. And hair's standing up on the back of my neck. I was like, yeah, that was, okay. I did hear that. I know I heard that. I was like, okay, go back in the flat, ignore it. And I thought, no, I'm, I can't, I don't want to leave him out there now. I was like, I'm just going to bring <laughs> him in for tonight. I just want to bring him in now. Like, I don't, I don't, like he can stay. And I, I didn't like that. But when I went to see this psychic, she turned around to me. And when she said, you can see things and experience things, she turned around and she actually said to me, she goes, I, I know you what you do she goes because there was this dark patch in the corner she was like i know what you do she goes i can see what you do she goes you walk through that hallway and you can sense there's something in that black patch and you swear at it <laughs> I was just like, yeah yeah i do actually as a matter of fact and, and i did and i used to walk past it and i used to say hideous things to it about not coming into my flat and i just did because I, I felt there was something there and i was like okay yeah you got that right that's something that no one would know and while I was in this, living in this flat, a few things went on. One of them in particular, I was in the uh, living room one day. My girlfriend's in the kitchen. And then you've got a hallway in between, bedroom at the end. She's talking to me. We're kind of having this conversation. And I've turned around and I've watched her walk out of the kitchen, walk down the hallway to the bedroom, talking. And she got to the bedroom and she stood there and gone, oh. And then looked around and she's looked at me back up the hallway again, sitting in the front room. And she said, you're there. I was like, well, yeah, I'm here. I was like, why wouldn't I be here? She goes, well, you were just standing there at the doorway. I was like, I wasn't standing at the doorway. She goes, you stood at the doorway and then you just walked off down here. And I was like, no, I didn't. I didn't. I didn't do that. That didn't happen. I didn't walk down there. And she was like, well, someone walked down there. And I was like, well, it wasn't me. And we kind of looked around and it was like, well, that's very bizarre. And then a friend come and stay, stayed around one night. And while she was staying around, we was watching a, a film on the TV and she was on the sofa and I was on laying on the floor watching television. All of a sudden, the letterbox on the front door lifted up and just slammed. And it was all internal. There's no wind. There's no nothing else. And just slammed. And she started screaming. I was asleep on the floor and I was like, Jesus Christ, what was that? So I go running out then. I was like, there's no one there. She goes, you heard it though. You heard that letterbox lift up and slam. I was like, well, there's no one here. And she went away on holiday in Wales somewhere and while she was there she went with someone and it was like a lot of other girls who she didn't know it was just her and her friend and her friend's friends and when she was there there was a girl there who was a psychic and she turned around to her and she said can see something that happened to you and she goes well well what what happened she goes you go to someone's house you've got a friend like a, a, a male friend and you you went to his house and one day something happened there and she goes yeah it did like something did happen she goes yeah but you didn't you couldn't see but there was something in there that when he was laying on the floor he was sitting on his chest there was something <gasps> she says that there was something sitting on my chest she goes there's something there like a, a form and it was sitting on my chest do you think it could be the man in black 
I do believe that they're possibly like I don't th- I didn't feel threatened when that was said. But that flat, there was something very odd about that flat. And one day I sat there with the cat and I thought I saw I used to have one of these Ikea units and it's all squares. So you've got the TV in there and it's got a square to put your video on. Uh, Blu-ray squares to put your DVD collection and stuff. And I swear I was sitting there one day and I could see something that looked like black smoke moving behind the back of the TV. And, and it was during the day and I just sat there and watched it. And I'm, I'm quite calm about these things. I really am. It's just, you know, okay, this is happening. I, I tend not to panic. Like, if this is happening... I want to see what this is. Let's just be calm and see. Just be rational. So I just watched this smoke just kind of vaporise around the back of the TV set. And I was like, okay, that was... Anything else going to happen now? Okay, fine. Carry on with life. And I went away working for a a week. And I had a friend come and stay around to look after the cat. Because he had an accident. He had an accident. He had to have a cone on his head and he was indoors. And so she had to be there to look after him. And she came back. Oh, well, I came back and I said, how's everything going? I said, and she was like, yeah, yeah, fine. And she just said, your flat's really weird. George, <laughs> I said, okay, go on. What happened? Well, I could, I could have sworn that I was sitting in there one night with the cat and she was an artist and she was doing some illustrations or something. She goes, and I looked up. She goes, I could have put money on the fact that I saw black smoke move around the back of your TV set. And I just said, yeah, you, you probably did. I think I've seen it before as well. And there were some very funny things that happened. In that and it place. didn't follow you from that house. So when you're not at the house anymore, you, you left and things kind of calmed yeah, down. Yeah, that was like North London. That was like Hertfordshire, North London. It was that area I was living in before. And from coming here, but this is the thing, from coming here, where I live on the coast now, I walked into this place and Stray, it just had a completely different vibe. I was like, oh, okay, this is, it just felt like a home. And the other place was my home, but I walked in here and it was like, oh no, there's there's something very refreshing about this. There's there's something, it feels at peace in a way. The other place, it was very noisy. Like I say, it was North London. There was lots of stuff going on outside, but then there was not these odd things that would happen inside. But where I came here, it was like, it just felt very peaceful. I know the and feeling. Yeah, it's a good did, feeling. It's a good feeling, yeah. And it, and it definitely felt like, yeah, this is the, the place I should be. And then I, I found this place and I was like, it was just a whim. I just wanted to be near the sea. I wanted a fresh start. I came here, looked at the place and said, okay, yeah, I'll take it. Fine, done. And the only thing that's happened here is where I've said about these things, you know, what happened in the old place and it was all, it felt slightly sinister. Not sinister as in like you felt threatened in any way, but you just felt there was something there. And at times you felt like there was something there and it didn't really, it wasn't, ge- it wasn't that it didn't want you there, but it wasn't gelling with you being there. It's, I don't think it didn't want me there, but it just didn't gel with the fact I was there. That's the way, the only way I could describe it. But in this place now, which is, is a very old Victorian house, that I own the, the top half of it. And I said, like, you know, it feels very much at peace here. The only thing I've ever felt here was downstairs in the living room, because I've got the loft and the first floor downstairs in the living room i was on the computer one day doing something and it just felt like like sometimes you know when, when someone touches you you just know that what that touch is like if a, you could say like a man grabbed you you'd know that feeling if, if it was a man that grabbed you if, if like or if like a woman touched you and it just felt like a woman's hand touched the back of my neck and i was like that didn't feel like the worst thing ever it felt quite peaceful and it was like, okay that, that felt i'm not going to question it and every now and then here you get this strong smell of women's perfume through the place it's just like you're there and you're doing something and it's like oh okay that's that is that, it like old granny's perfume or is it something quite modern like I it's, don't know, it's Charlie not Red. really modern it's it's <laughs> 
it's, it's it's just like a kind of florally kind of smell. It's it's like not. I know what you're saying about the old the old granny's kind of like uh, uh, lavender. Uh, it's not. It's not. Or... Yeah, it's not that. It's not that old, but it's just like a perfume that's just here. And like you can sit here, and the, the windows are shut. And uh, I remember one of the last times it happened was in winter, and it just kind of happened. And, and you're just like, oh, okay, that's. It feels like there's something here. But then living here, my cat, you can tell with him as well that there's he's more at peace here as well. Well, if there's something here in the new place, it's definitely friendly. It hasn't shown itself in any other way apart from like the touch and the aroma. The, yeah, the aroma. That's yeah. fair enough, isn't it? You can cope with that. You can live with that. It's not yeah. slamming doors. There's not Isn't doppelgangers it? walking down hallways. And it's not ghost not sex, the violation. In. You know, demons yeah, yeah, exactly. and ghosts <laughs> fighting over you while you sleep. While you're sleeping, yeah, and the cat's not walking in covered in flecks of corpses either. So yeah, you can you can kind of live with that. <laughs> we will be right back after these important messages. Hi there, my name is Claire Waters, and I would like to invite you on an incredible journey. I have written a book based on my personal experiences called Raising Faith, a true story of raising a child's psychic medium. It's my family's extraordinary experiences with our young daughter's ability to communicate with spirits and the inspirational lessons learned on our journey. Raising Faith is currently available on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, Kindle and wherever books are sold. Join me on this beautiful and incredible adventure. For more information on Raising Faith, visit my website, raisingfaith.co.uk or my Facebook page, Raising Faith Book. See you there. Sixth books will take you to other worlds, haunt you, open your mind, and push you far beyond the veil of the unknown. Sixth books is a leading publisher of books on the body, mind, and spirit, the paranormal, consciousness, ancient wisdom, and the afterlife. Explore today, learn today, open your mind today, read today. Visit Sixth hyphenbooks.com today the world as you know it is about to change do you wish for more paranormal and spiritual content the paranormal chronicles magazine is a free digital magazine crammed with the very best in paranormal and spiritual articles and features no sign up no subscription just free reading and knowledge for you read today at www.theparanormalchronicles.com forward slash magazine the International Chart Topping Haunted Horror of Haverford West has been described as terrifyingly real, a must read, shocking and chilling brilliance, genuinely worrying, utterly frightening. Don't read before bed. Described as one of the spookiest writers out there, best selling author G.L. Davies presents Haunted Horror of Haverford West. The true paranormal account that is shocking the world. Dare you enter? Dare you read? Haunted. Horror of Haverford West is available on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, Kindle, and wherever books are sold. Pray you never have to live there. Transitioned from horror filmmaker into horror stroke paranormal stroke supernatural these incredible stories as an author were these incidents these encounters would you say they helped influence your writing there are like snippets of truths in there which i think there is with everyone's writing i think that you know you, you have these experiences and you kind of condense them or mutate them and turn them into something else but there's 
definitely with Nightwaves, there's um, there's scenes in there. But it does kind of reflect in a weird way my life because it's uh, the whole thing's about a girl doing something she doesn't want to do. She's modelling and she wants to be a photographer and she leaves East London to come to live on the coast. And she has this supernatural experience with these sea sirens and there's a part where she finds one of the claws of these sea sirens and she takes it to a psychic and it's like a psychic uh, triangle made between the creature, the psychic. It's like a tethered kind of triangle of the the girl, Kirsten, who's the photographer, the psychic and the creature. They kind of know where it's like parts on a chessboard. They all kind of move around together and know what each other are doing. And the scenes with the psychic in the in Nightwaves, when Kirsten goes to see her, she's she picks up on something and she's and she's going like you you stand in front of the camera you shouldn't be standing in front of the camera pictures 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 you have to take pictures pictures and that was taken directly from the experience i had with no, the right 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 yeah 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 exactly yeah the the, the dark figure like uh, where in my case it was supposed to be a positive thing it turns into a, a negative thing because uh, the the psychic pricks her finger on the sea siren claw and she kind of gets uh, infected with his presence. And she's just got this dark figure in her mind, always walking closer behind her eyes. And she can just hear his cry at night, just echoing around the inside of her skull. So I kind of took the, 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 the niceties that was told to me. Oh, you've got this really nice person and turned into the most horrific thing you can't escape from the book. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> night Waves, your new book, is excellent. Honestly, it's so easy to read so much fun it's scary it's sexy it's stylish it's a sexy retelling of the classic siren mythology what is it about the siren that was so captivating to you that it plays such a major part in night waves well it, i think the fact was it was just so open because like like realistically you think about it how many other things like you know like media books or films or anything really kind of use the sea siren there's not many it's just like you know like and there's the trappings of, of things isn't there like if, if you write a vampire novel you, you know you're expected to have fangs a cape it doesn't come out during the sunlight steak's gonna kill him if you have a werewolf thing it's gonna be silver that kills them you know they, they, you know, they're gonna sprout hair and howl at the moon yeah. but with the sea siren it's, it, it was completely open so i could kind of reimagine what this thing was and it kind of came about because like I say, it was it like now we're talking about it, I can kind of see like how this story kind of reflected my life at the time. And I was coming from London to move down to Brighton. And when I got here, people everyone knows what Brighton is and it's a very vibrant place. You've got so many different types of people. Like it has a real identity. Yeah. Brighton is its own place and you can be anyone you want to be and it's all completely fine. And when I went there, people there was an element of like it becoming London by the sea, which people call it now. And it's just like the, that plasticity of London. We don't want it to come down and, you know, prices are going up and the artists are being driven out and the diversity is changing and it's just becoming more, you know, just like a, a corporate thing like the... the I think it costs more to park in Brighton, in the centre of Brighton, than it does than it costs in downtown LA, and that's a fact. Yeah, it costs. It's, it's, it's ridiculous, and there was this change. There was this change to the status quo, and it was just like this. There's this like thing looming and coming down, and it's changing who we are. And I literally took that idea and just flipped it around and said, "Well, okay, like let's might have these comments on this." but do it from a different angle and how, you know, you've got this place that's full of vibrancy and full of, you know, different people from different walks of life. And let's just have something from the sea, this parasitic thing, come in and invade 
and just turn people into drones in a way. You all like like the, the sea sirens are just kind of like workers for a, a bigger thing. That's uh, that's implied in the book. There is actually there's a lot of ideas. There is a first draft of Night Waves too. Night Waves is kind of like the first part of a bigger story. And in the second part, in the second Night Waves, it, it does talk about what the ultimate goal of these sea sirens are. And it goes a, a bit more Lovecraftian. It goes deeper Lovecraftian than the first one does. But that's where the initial idea came from. It was just like the, the, a place for so much identity. It was That, that was, would have been the biggest fear to anyone. That was the biggest fear to anyone, with London like, looming closer. Yeah. Losing that identity. Beckoning, so I just calling, enticing. Yeah, exactly. This was it. Yeah, it's like, oh, look at this. It's big and shiny and plastic and it's wonderful. And you're going to get charged £68 a day for parking. And we're going to have Boris bikes. I'm going to have all these things. And like the, the local, but so many people here, like artists and, and so on. There's a guy and uh, he's one of few neon sign makers left in Britain. And he'd been in Brighton for years and he just had to, he just got priced out. And he's like, well, I can't live here anymore. I, I, all my life, I wanted to live in Brighton and, and be part of this and like this scene. And he goes, it's just changing. And it's just, the life has literally been sucked out of it. And so this is what I did with these sea sirens. It's just like parasitic sea sirens that was coming and t- taking people's identity. And this is why they want in the book Kirsten, who's moved there, who was a model. It's just like she wants to get away from the life of being a model. Like, I don't want to be just seen as a pretty face. And there's these things where it's just like, no, we want your pretty face because we use you, we can use your body to lure people in. Do you think the themes of sex and horror make reading Night Waves an even more terrifying experience? do because there's some scenes in there with these things like i said about i've got quite a lot of interest into doppelgangers and doubles and that kind of thing it's um it's something that in the past i've explored in various ways and there's scenes in this where it's just like because it's, it's like it's very uh the, the characters in that way you've got like uh, two gay girls and a young guy that is quite inhibited and Kirsten who's a model and they're very big animated characters they know who they are they're brighton people they're very colorful and i have described it in that book when there's one scene in particular where there's a girl and she's a very likable character in the book she gets this invaded by this sea siren and it's it's said psychically as it's looming in towards her it's playing all these images it's like a pheromone the siren song is like a pheromone it's given her these images of the past, of like past boyfriends and, you know, love making and this kind of thing. And, and while it's doing that and lulling her, so she's just sed- completely sedated. It says in the book, it was, you know, it, it forces its way into a, like, a rape of identity, a gang rape of identity as it pours in and, and, and takes over her conscious. So it's kind of, it subverts that, oh yeah, they're really loving, lovable, sexy creatures. They are on the set when you're getting drawn into them, but as you get closer and they enter you and become one with you, it is like as a, a rape of identity. They infest, they, they infest you and nest inside you and turn you into just like a drone for this pack of sea sirens. So you just becoming part of the status quo. So it does kind of use the sexuality, uses it as a, as, as a like just like the modeling thing. It's it's all up front. It's all to look at this. It's so beautiful. It's so beautiful. But what it's actually doing is like creeping beneath your skin and, yeah. and clinging to your bones and turning you into something you don't necessarily want to be you created three things you created which are incredible i don't know any author that has done this especially for like a first book and it really helps bring night waves to life and so number one you created a video trailer which was Mm -hmm. incredible it was like literally like a film trailer 
you created a music video which uh-huh. was taken from like the 80s you know that style uh-huh. and you gave a free uncut chapter away on youtube we'll tell everyone where they can go and see these things because you have to see all three of these things and that chapter i was so impressed with the book i said to my girlfriend ah you gotta listen to this right while we were making tea while her mum was there. Oh, no. No. Yeah. <laughs> Big mistake, yeah. number one. And her sister. <laughs> Big and her little nephew. Two. Big right. mistake, number three. Oh, yeah. No. And yeah, yeah, okay. yeah, let's talk about that. Let's let's start with that, <laughs> and then we'll talk about the music video. So let's talk about the, the missing chapter, which anybody, doesn't matter where you are, if you can understand what I'm saying now, David's going to give you a link and you're going to go and listen to this. And, you know, I think it's, it's, it's great, but in a family setting, perhaps. <laughs> I think very much not. And I've been said that people have said this to me before, like, oh, yeah, like, uh, do you think my teenage daughter will love your book? Like, it sounds like the kind of it's like, I don't think you should let her read that book. I think that's a very bad idea. It's Tiffany's Tale, Night Waves, the miss- Night Waves, two words, the missing chapter, Tiffany's Tale. It's on up- YouTube. Night Waves, Tiffany's Tale, the missing chapter on YouTube, correct? On YouTube, yeah. And that's on Guys, my you've YouTube got to listen channel. to this, honestly. But as David's saying, just be careful who is around. <laughs> Well, yeah, this is th- th- that. Yeah, it's, uh, it's it's well, put it this way. When we recorded my girlfriend recorded the audio and I directed her in a studio in Brighton and she kind of knew what it was about in a way. Like I kind of explained it to her, but it was it was fresh on the day. Right. Here we go. This is what it's going to be. Emphasize this, this. There's, we sorted out the voices of the characters. And by the end of it, when um, we left, there was, there was this odd silence. And she said, I really don't think I know you. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, oh, right, okay, why's that? She goes, well, that thing. She goes, it does make me wonder. And that was a, that, that's how it was left. It just makes her wonder. And, yeah, I get it. I understand. And I'll tell you how this came about. I'll tell you how this chapter came about. The, I won't go into too much spoilers because, you know, it's... I, yeah, people people go yeah, and listen to it. I think the best, yeah, best thing yeah. to do is, is Night Waves, Tiffany's Tales, the last chapter on YouTube, Check it out. It won't cost you a penny to just go and check it out. It's free. Completely yeah, free. free. Yeah. It came from, at one point, I was going to attempt to try and make my ways into a film. And because there was an element of nudity to it, there was no way that you can't get actors, especially when you're dealing with like very low budgets. It's like, oh, yeah, do you want to do all these nude scenes for like, you know, nothing, basically? And they're not going to do it. So I thought, right, we just get a body double and we get them in there to do the nude scenes. And I went to see, and like, it makes the best sense in the world porn actresses it's the best job they've ever had you get they, they they come to set what do you want me to take your clothes off what else do you want me to do no you just got to take your clothes off and they look at you like like look at this fool like he just wants me to take he's paying me to just take my clothes off it's the best it's so much easier than trying to talk an actress into doing it and so we were so i went to meet a porn star and we was chatting and it was, you know she's really like, nice intelligent but we're actually like quite good friends now she told me this story about because she does lots of like S&M stuff and tying people up to St Andrew's crosses and things she had this experience where she was at this place and there was supposed to be someone who well someone tied her and a client to St Andrew's cross things were going to happen to them and the fire alarm went off and everyone left the building and they were stuck on these St Andrew's crosses with basically gimp masks on zipped up trying to scream for help while potentially the building was burning to the ground but luckily it wasn't (laughs) good god yeah no so that doesn't happen in haverford west 
<laughs> well, I'm not sure exactly where that happens, but it happens. Apparently, it was Birmingham. <laughs> it happens in Birmingham. So there you go. Yeah, I know. So, uh, and, and she told me this story and, and about this thing happened, and it just pinged in my mind like, okay. But that's really good because, like I say, this thing about, you know, like I could really make a comment on this whole thing about London forcing people. Like I said about the neon sign guy, like he got forced out, got out price, he had to move. And so like, OK, this girl had a gallery. She was an artist and she's had to start doing S&M stuff. And she went down to the coast to film this thing. And when she was there, one of the other girls she was doing it with got possessed by a sea siren. And so, if you can imagine, two people bound to two St. Andrew's crosses, then, like, this disgusting parasitic entity walks in the room. And takes advantage of their compromising position. A reverse birth, I think you called it. Yes, it is. It's pretty... (laughs) I'm I'm a big fan of, like, the very subtle kind of horror, like Ramsey Campbell. Like, I really like his stuff. I'm also a huge fan of Sean Hudson. And with Sean Hudson novel, it's just like everything's up front. And where this thing, I'd painted it to be like an 80s... It's basically an 80s horror novel, like a pulpy horror novel from the early 80s. And it was just like, right, we're going the Sean Hudson route. We're going to make this as balls out, gory, disgusting as possible. And from what you say, from the three people who listened to it who probably shouldn't have, I think I succeeded. Oh, most definitely. Ten out of ten <laughs> for that, David. <laughs> so uh, just just so just we're clear on this, anyone who's like, what are they on about? Why are they giggling like little schoolboys? Head over to YouTube. Go to Night Waves, Tiffany's Tale, the last chapter. I believe it's narrated by your good half. And it's a a missing chapter that was taken from the book because of the the nature of it. So if you're into like really dark, dark, gloomy, horrific, sexy kind of horror, then check it out. Now, for everyone, in my opinion, more suitable was the trailer. And that impressed the socks out of me. Now, I made a video for Haunted Horror of Halford West. I'm very motivated and inspired by David Mm -hmm. Lynch. And I was really satisfied with what I did until I watched the trailer. And it is excellent. It is like a real movie trailer. You can tell you're a filmmaker because it is superb. Your book trailer was better than so many film trailers I've seen in recent memory. And that's the highest accolade I can give. Uh, It's on YouTube again. Basically, if you put in Nightwaves, two words, official trailer or trailer, David Irons horror trailer, you'll find it. It's on there. There's there's a 30-second trailer, a one-minute trailer, and they're both on YouTube on various channels. Excellent. Can you tell us what inspired the trailer? Because I watched it, and straight away it just brought back so many good memories of my, my childhood in the 80s growing up. But for our audience, could you tell them what influenced you to make this amazing trailer? Oh, yeah, definitely. It was... um. My favourite film ever, I'm not sure if you've seen this, it's a, it's a black and white film from 1962 called Carnival of Souls. And basically, it's a very atmosphere. Have you seen that film? Before? I watched it when I was going through my pretentious stage in the early 90s. <laughs> oh that's yes i know that stage do you know what i mean when when you go in through the whole you know like things that were banned like freaks or films that were quite difficult to watch like rosemary's baby yeah it was great yeah well that that is probably two types of things inspired me with films it was like as a kid and it was big budget films because it was a spectacle of going oh my god this is how do they do this it's amazing and when i saw carnival of souls it's so slight and so simple and so small but the atmosphere is just dripping from it that film is just like 
if, if you want to press the reset button on everything, like you're sitting there and you're going down the well and you're watching all these films, if you just want to, for me, if you want to get back to basics, why I like this Carnival of Souls, it's very simple, it's very atmospheric. That for one thing, because there's various shots in that film where he's set around a pavilion in uh, Utah, Salt Lake City, and it was like an old like, bathing pavilion with like a, a, a salt sea there where everyone used to go out on little dinghies and things and everything else. And there's lots of shots of the undead, these undead creatures rising from the water. And George Romero in Land of the Dead, he kind of did homage to it in a few shots as well. That was definitely in my mind. And like, because it's quite a colourful thing, like I say, like I, I really believe with, like, you know, you talk about like decades of film in the 70s, the 80s, the 90s and all this, I really think like the, the 80s, not just a nostalgic thing, but just on a colour palette kind of basis, it was so vibrant. It was such a juxtaposition the position of, of what you normally expect from a horror film you think of like horror you think of dark and gloom and you think of the 80s and there's the neon and the really bright colors and uh, i love all the kind of dario yeah. argento italian horror i think that like i say that juxtaposition of light and dark was done so well in all those early films i really went that way with it and there's a film in particular if anyone wants to just get into italian horror films the go-to on that is kind of you, you go there and you can either go down the decades or up the decades is 1985's Demons, which was produced by Dario Argento and yeah. uh, directed by Lamberto Barva. I mean, in the book, in Night Waves, the book, the sea sirens, they're kind of powered from within. They're like a black tarry. They're like living shadows. Uh, that's all you kind of see of them, but they're powered from within with like a bioluminescence. So there's like got the neon veins on their faces and everything else. And I knew I wasn't going to be able to afford anything like that. And it was just like, okay, let's just go for the glowing eyes. And I actually found the guy who, um, there's a film in the 80s called Spookies. And I'm going to totally mangle this guy's name, but he's a friend of mine. It's like Al Megalachetti. And he used to be a special effects man. He did loads of films like uh, T2 and things like that. But he worked. Do you remember the Bright Eyes music video? And of course. Sort of a, yeah, yeah, yeah. He, how did you do the eyes? And he just basically sent me a diagram from back in the 80s. He's going, well, this is how you do practical effects, glowing eyes. And this is what they used in Demons as well. So it was just like, well, I'm never going to do the veins. I'm never going to do all the stuff that's in the book. But we just, if, if it's just a, a living shadow of glowing eyes, that's a pretty creepy image. So we're, we're run with that. We're run with that as being the sea sirens in, in the trailer. Like I say, you film it right and you give it that atmosphere. And it, it looks like it costs a lot more than it really did. It amazing. Just, it looked like Stranger Things. Yeah, well, this is it. It's, it's that resurgence of like the 80s things that are kind of here now. It's... It does tap into that. I mean, like, have you seen the film Drive? Have you seen Drive before? Drive. Ryan Gosling and he's like... A, oh, yeah, a yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, yeah, I love that movie, right? And what I loved about it, and it's one of my most played things, was the soundtrack. Exactly. Well, Real this is... human being. I might do a karaoke show, but I'm not enough about that. <laughs> Well, that's an idea. Why not? It's so we've got the night wave, sex, prostitute guy, Jail yeah. Davis, the ghost sex, violation guy doing karaoke <laughs> on the podcast. It's ratings. People would love that. Of course. Podcast karaoke is a new thing. We've just invented it. There you go. Yes. There you go. <laughs> yeah, but Drive is excellent. What an incredibly stylish film. Well, this is it. But the, what I loved about that, because I made a film, I made a feature for like two grand. And uh, I think it took about 50 years of my life doing it because it was just the hardest thing I've ever done. But when I was making it, it's like I want to make this thing look 80s-ish, give it that kind of style. And this was back 2010, 2011. And literally when we finished, Drive came out. And I'm talking like the like weeks afterwards. Never heard anything about it. Drive came out and I saw it and I was like, this is it. Drive was set in modern day, but it had taken that colour palette, that look, those neon signs, that like that that style. 
and just laid it over the top of something now. And it just elevated it visually to be like, wow, look, look at that. People, things come and go in, in trends, like with film. And once a trend goes, people producing things are scared to go back to it again. Yeah. This is why now you're like, oh, yeah, we, we can use color. We can do that drive, that Stranger Things kind of color. We can do color. But you think like, you know, like from Matrix onwards, it was like, put a green tint on things. And then you did had saw and it's like, you just tint it green. Everything gets tinted green. And people get stuck in these things and it takes something to break out of it. And when I saw Drive, I was like, Yes, this completely validates everything I'm doing and everything I want to do. It's funny you should say about The Green because every horror film I've watched in the last 20 years, the tiles or the colouring or something has to be this lime of a weird public toilet. Green. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. It's like public yeah, yeah. toilet tiles. Do you know what? If it was a drinking game, I'd be dead because... <laughs> It's in Especially everything. If you'd, saw, you'd be like dead twice. Dead yeah, double. I know. Like yeah, everything, all the tiles or the walls, if it's whether it's in an old asylum or in a futuristic horror, it's there. And it's like, guys, get over it. We got it. I studied mm -hmm. film studies. So I'm just pre programmed to deconstruct films and why are they doing this and why are they doing that. And I'm sick of it, guys. Let's have some different colors. Well, this is it. Yeah. This, this is it. But, but because Drive was successful and because Stranger Things was successful, it validated, oh, we can go back and use that color again and you saw things like mandy come out and you saw things like what was the other one there was another one a couple of years ago that was full of neon. There, there's been a few of them that have been just completely full of neon uh, atomic blonde atomic blonde came out and that was completely full of uh, neon and it's just like oh yeah we can do this it is viable to do this and it won't look dated and but it is that this kind of time now it's it's ripe for me and I've, I've always been interested in like cinematography and the look and the style of things it I'm killed hungry. me like yes not really scott it's the other scott tony either. scott horror films old houses dark creepy shadows and then the hunger Bow like house a... and david bowie nightclubs with cd like smoke machines and neon lights and it was like a music tapes. video yeah yeah completely completely and it adds so much to these things because in your head like it, it's the light and dark it's the equinox the, the, the point of light and dark you could you can have something the darkest thing ever and you've got it lit with neon lights and gels and bright colors and it kind of adds something to it it makes it more scary, right? Because if you can't see what's in the dark, that's obviously terrifying. And you've always got that element, is it there or not? But when it's fully lit and it is there, you've got nowhere to go. You have to accept this thing is there. It doesn't use the night. It doesn't use camouflage. It will come into your world regardless of what time, what lighting it is, and it will kill you, will do whatever it's going to do to you. Yeah, completely. Look at... um. Have you seen Fright Night before? The original one, though. Yeah, 80, Fright. 80, yeah. yeah, yeah. Roddy Fright McDowell. Roddy McDowell, yeah. Chris Sarandon. Like, uh, Susan did The Hunger and Chris did Fright Night. They both did vampire pictures in the 80s. When you go and look at that, and you have the whole seduction scene in the nightclub, you normally see the seduction scene in an old ballroom, candelabras, candle lit in a vampire film. They've done it in a nightclub. And there's people everywhere, and they're having this really personal, intimate moment where this guy's seducing, uh, where a vampire's seducing a girl. And you got like the, the the lights going, the the, the strobes and everything else of pumping like uh, 80s uh, electric music. It's just like it, it really it works. It's just something that works. And I think when you I think in decades to come, when you look back at like that the 2000s, like you're saying, like the style of things then, it's it's just so dreary. It's just it's just miserable to look at. And I think that's something that comes through even like with my prose. It's just like there's people who've read this stuff and it's like 
yeah, you're making horror fun, and that's yeah. a good thing. You're allowed to enjoy horror. Like you get in there, and it's lurid, and it's sleazy, and it's and it's the neon lights, and it's it's that '80s feel, like something you've just found on VHS. Like what is this? And you can you can equally have a laugh and be scared at it at the same time. And it's just like, yeah, that's that's exactly what it is. You make horror fun. I make the paranormal really depressing. You know, like <laughs> we spoke about this earlier before we start recording. You're going to be like Sam Raimi. You know, you're Sam Raimi yeah. horror. And I want to make the Ken Loach horror, you know. Yeah, but that just... Ken Loach horror, that, that I completely see that everything's got its own style and, and everything makes sense in a way. Uh, how it should be made, you know, like it's, it's instinctive. You, you kind of look at a project and you think, well, what would make this work? And we've spoke about this kind of kitchen sink horror and when what was it called conjuring two. conjuring two was the enfield poltergeist wasn't it yes that's that's right yeah that film was i think they got it all wrong it had that hollywood sheen to it and it should have been about those girls and their mum in, in a that, council house in a council house they could in london the council house in the they 70s leave the council house yeah it was going to be grim it was going to be browns and greens and oranges like the, the 70s kind of color palette and that's what it was going to look supposed to look like. It was supposed to be like, you're in this council house. The council put you there because you've got nowhere to go. And if you leave, you're homeless. So you're stuck. And in that thing, it was just so glossy and just so ridiculous. And, and when you heard that, it was just like, I live near East London. And it's just like, I know what people talk like in East London. And as soon as you start hearing them talking, it's like, yeah, someone in Hollywood was like, watch Mary Poppins and went, cool, blimey, I know how they speak in London. Let's make a horror movie. Yeah, and like from like, hell, Heather Graham. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, exactly. I still love that film, but very knees up Mother Brown. It was... Uh, yes, <laughs> it was, yeah. There was a lot of lime green in that film as well. So what would you say? We mentioned films like Demon and The Hunger. What would yeah. you say are the top five scariest films you've ever seen? So what I want is, all our listeners, is to go out and try and watch these five top scary films, the films that got into the head of David Irons, who has got some crazy stuff going on. There's one of them now. And it was uh, there was a moment with this where it kind of bled from the screen and it terrified me. And it's free. If this is all free, you can go on YouTube now. It was an old TV movie from 1982 called Don't Go to Sleep. And the whole premise of it is very simple. It's just a very simple ghost story. And it's about a family. And they're, all the way through it, you, they're, they're talking about the daughter. Like the other, don't talk about the other daughter. We don't talk about her anymore. Why don't we talk about her, Mum? We want to no, don't talk about her. We don't mention her. So there's, there's a dead daughter. And something's happened to the daughter. And you don't know what it is. And through this film, you keep seeing the, the, the missing daughter. And there's this picture of her and she's kind of like kneeling down with her, with her chin on, on, her, on her knuckles smiling into the camera uh, and you see the picture through the house and weird things keep happening you just see these shots of just like they move into this new house you see a shot of an open window and the, little, the other little girl the, the other daughter's looking up at the window and you can just hear laughing behind it and she's standing there looking and the brother's like no come on come on we've got to go we've got to go and basically shall i do spoilers on this because people could watch it or shall I talk around it? Why don't we do another episode in, like, say, eight weeks, right? Okay. And we give everyone yeah. enough time to read the book, yeah. watch your films, watch your trailer, hopefully not watch that YouTube thing in front of a potential mother-in-law. We can revisit <laughs> some of some of these things. How do you fancy that? 
That sounds perfect. Great. So I, I haven't seen that. So what was this, that one called? Don't Go to Sleep, Don't 1982. Sleep. And it's Dennis Weaver who was in Jewel, and he was it's a TV movie from 1982. Yeah. But what I was going to say about this, it's terrifying. If you like paranormal, if you like ghost stories, and one thing they always get wrong is the kid actors. You get kid actors like, oh, my God, please just stop. But the kids they got in this is great. It's the little boy from Poltergeist and the, 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 another girl in there. But the final shot, this is what I'm going to say. Like, I was watch, I watched this all the way through, and it was terrifying. And you know on YouTube when if you've watched something, sometimes it goes back to it. It just repeats around, doesn't it? So you've watched something, it goes, oh, the next video, and it just plays something else. Well, I was watching stuff on YouTube, and then I and I had it on the TV in the bedroom, and I fell asleep. And the last shot of this film is the ghost of the girl, and she's creeping down over the edge of a bed, like crawling towards the camera. And the and YouTube had rolled around and rolled around. And I woke up and opened my eyes on the very last shot of this film. Ooh. So I'm laying in bed, and on the screen in front of me is the ghost girl crawling down the bed. Oh, no. I'll tell you something. That was that was it. No more sleep that night. I just couldn't get back to sleep. That completely freaked me out. But that film, watch that film. If you want to be scared, watch that film. So that's number one? That's number one. Another one, which is... Uh, there's spoilers on this one as well. 80s slasher films. Most of them are cheesy. Most of them are silly. This one is cheesy and silly. But the last... One minute of the film will make you rethink everything you've watched before, make you rewatch it, reevaluate everything that went on. You see relationships in completely different ways. And the last shots on that film are absolutely terrifying. And that's Sleepaway Camp from 1983. Um, I haven't I seen know. that either. I'm writing it down. Yeah, yeah, Sleepaway Camp. That's a, it's so cheesy. But it's hilarious. But then you're thinking, why? you'd watch it and you think, why is this so scary? Why is this so scary? This is silly. But the ending just elevates it into a whole new different stratosphere of quality. I think that's so, on Shudder. I'm sure I've seen is. that it's advertised on, on Shudder. Briggs. It's on The Last Driving. He he has it on there, definitely. Right, I'll be watching that tonight. Yep. I think it could be the most terrifying film ever made, and that's The Entity. So that's completely Ooh. up. Yeah, that's, that's up, up your, I didn't want to say up your Not literally, but the yes. Entity. Yeah. <laughs> the, um, but yeah, The Entity, that film, it's, yeah, you get the special effects shots of Barbara Hershey when you see the hands and everything else all over her. But it's just, again, just the atmosphere, just that pure terror at any second. This thing is going to do something and you don't know what it is. That is, I find that film terrifying. And I can I only wa- watch that about once every five years. It's just like, okay, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm done with that now. So. I watched it when I was about 13. There was a lot of conflict for me because Barbara Hershey back then was gorgeous, but obviously the subject matter. <laughs> yeah. And I'd not seen anything like that at 13. I had a very sheltered background. Right. And then, like you know, I'm not going to go into detail because I haven't really spoken about it on this series, is that I ended up researching and investigating Wales's own version of the entity in Pembroke, wow. which became Ghost Sex, The Violation, which was mm. the most controversial book of 2014. All true. In true in regards to I, I investigated it. I had a whole ton of death threats about it. And really? I, yeah, I got interviewed by Playboy and all the national press. I still get invitations to like coast to coast and midnight in the desert now to talk about it described as the welsh entity and i don't really talk about it on this podcast maybe you can come back and we'll get a round table and we'll talk about ghost sex violation but yeah the entity was was a big part of that and uh, i still love barbara hershey so what's number four number four i would say is the texas chainsaw massacre the original Amazing. That is a piece of it's a piece of art. It's a, and a slab of pure terror. That film at the end, like the close-ups when they've got uh, Marilyn Burns in the chair 
And it's like, well, now Grandpa's going to have a whack now. And the granddad's going to nail of a bloody sledgehammer. And you see the close-ups of her eyes, her teeth, her hair, and it's just sweat dripping from her with that with that noise, with that, you know, the Texas Chainsaw <laughs> noise and, and all that. That thing, that scene is terrible. And you see no blood, and everyone's like, it's the goriest thing you've ever seen. There's no blood in it. The it's screaming like... the screaming made me feel ill because I think there's literally about 30 minutes solid. Screaming. screaming at the end, yeah, the dinner table scene. Yeah, exactly. That's oh. what I'm talking about. Because that was banned for years. That was banned for years in this country. Like, it was, uh, I think it got bare, bare bones minimum release in, like, the, the 70s when it came out. X-rated for a while. Disappeared. And it was just a thing of legend. And we, where we used to live, there was a man called uh, Video Van Man. And basically, <laughs> he used to drive around the van and rent tapes out the back of the van. It was like mobile video service. Amazing. And someone said to me, he's got Texas Chainsaw Massacre. And I was just like, no, he hasn't, please. Because like, I loved horror. When I was a kid, Fangoria magazine, every month, I loved it. And I was like, I need to see this thing. And I can, rem- I can remember just being like 15. It's like, how the hell do you approach someone? So, oh, excuse me, sir, do you have that banned film that I'm looking for? It, it was like really awkward, like, oh, yeah, that, what horrors do you have then? And he's kind of all this, that. And I said, well, have you got anything? And I just couldn't bring myself because I didn't want him to say no. <laughs> I was like, you need to say yes to this. I need to know. Like, you have to say yes. I need to see this film. And I kind of talked around him, like, have you got anything, you know, from Texas with that uh, maybe chainsaws in? And, and he's like, a oh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, maybe a massacre happens at the end as well. Who knows? <laughs> so just the thing. <laughs> yeah. Well, he was. He's like, oh, I know what you're talking about. And he was yeah. like, you can't have it. But he goes, like, one of your friends who lives around the corner, his dad's, like, doing this. Get his dad to rent it out if you want to watch it. And I was like, there immediately. Get down here now. Come and rent this. And we got it. And that thing blew me away. It was that filthy feeling of, like, you're watching something you really shouldn't watch right now. And that just helped with the whole viewing experience of it. It really did. Great movie. Great choice to say for. So your final pick. You're on your desert island. This is the last horror. What is it? Can I? pick rather than a film could i pick a series yeah of course you can i can pick a series right okay your right. show unsolved mysteries with michael you know aspel no no that's strange but true that's strange but true Solved the um, mysteries. unsolved mysteries is robert stack yes um, you know you know what i'm talking about it was on sky one when i was a kid yes right for years that thing like i used to watch that and it terrified me then I used to go on YouTube trying to find things like, where, where the hell is this? And I managed to find it was the Halloween special from season one. And it's like real life things, like real life documents of paranormal activity. And I was just, we found that the Halloween special, which was terrifying. And, and then when my girlfriend watched it, she was like, yeah, that was really good. And then there was an announcement and Amazon Prime have got 12, the whole 12 seasons of it. Ooh. And I've been going through that. And this is what makes it so good because Unsolved Mysteries, it talks about missing people. It talks about crime. It talks about uh, anything odd that can't be solved, whether it be, you know, a bank robbery, whether it be a disappearance, whether it be paranormal. So you could watch two episodes and it'd be like a bank job, a missing person. No one can explain. And the reenactments are are better than Hollywood quality. You get in there on these stories and you're like, this is terrifying. They interview the real people. So you're watching it. It's all been fact based. Like this happened in this bank. This happened to this person. And we've got CCTV footage of a car driving away. And then the next one they drop in. This family bought a bunk bed and brought it into their house. And it opened a portal to hell. I'm being serious. And you're like, OK, but you've been so set up in the, in, in, in the process of believing everything's had an, a certain amount of believability. And they give the paranormal stuff the same respect uh, as the true crime stuff. 
And you go from this to that, and you just sit there terrified. And that's an actual episode about a haunted punk bed. It's the that happened, and they do this whole thing, and uh, there's it's, 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 it's terrifying. And the dad goes to sleep in the room because the kids are going. There's something in here since we bought that bunk bed. And he goes to lay, in, and he goes to sleep on the floor in the room, and he wakes up, and there's something hovering over him, which whispers in his ear, "You're going to die in here." And he's <laughs> oh, no. it is terrifying. Yeah, that that show. And it's heartbreaking as well. Like, I'll, I'll, I'll put this in there really quick. And there was an episode about a guy and his girlfriend was in a phone box talking to him. And she's going, oh, yeah, we want to, you know, like, I'll come around and see you tonight. I'm babysitting at the minute because it's all American. And yeah, we're going, babysitting. I'll come around and we can go out and do this and that. And all of a sudden she says, there's someone watching me. Oh. And he says, and the guy's like, well, what do you mean? He goes, well, this truck just pulled up. And the guy's he's acting really weird. And she carries on talking, and he said, just stay there, just stay on the phone and wait until he goes. And she goes, he's not going, I'm just, I'll stay here talking. Then all of a sudden, the guy hears down the end of the phone, this huge commotion. She's screaming. The guy's grabbed her. She's, she's screaming into the phone to her boyfriend. He's got me, he's got me, he's, he's, he's pulling me away, he's pulling me away. He's like, help, help. And all that the guy hears is a voice say, well, I didn't want to use the phone anyway, and slams the phone up. The boyfriend knows where the phone box is jumps in his car, peels down to the phone box. As he's speeding down there, a pickup truck is going the other way. And as the pickup truck flies past, he can hear his girlfriend screaming out of the back of the pickup truck. He gets the car, because it's an American car, where it's like the, the, the transmission's up on, on the steering wheel. Yeah. And he's just whacked it in reverse, not thinking. So he's stuck it in reverse. car's just stalled to a halt. He's reversed it back around. And he's peeling after this pickup truck. And he's given a reenactment. And the poor guy's there. And he's got tears in his eyes. It's like, and I could see my girlfriend. She's in the back screaming. She's struggling. This guy had her. And I was flooring the car and going faster and faster and getting closer and closer. And I was so near to getting to the car. I was almost there. And where I slammed the car in reverse, the transmission gave out. And the whole car oh. died. And you're there. And the guy's got tears in his eyes. And he's and you could see like, that you're never going to forget this for the rest of your life. You're just going to be haunted by and this. And she was and, never found. She was never found again. And you just see like the reenactment of him standing outside the car, running down the road, just watching the pickup truck disappear in the background. And then you find out afterwards the reason it didn't tell you why she was ringing him, what they were talking about on the phone. But she just discovered she was pregnant. And oh, good grief. It's the most horrifying. You're not like the same person after watching this show. You're like this. And on some, the end of some of them, they have to put like warnings. And they're like, you know, you could watch this show. And it still seems like there's a psychopath waiting at the end of every road you turn down. But it's not really like that in life. There are good people out there too. And you're thinking, no, but there are psychopaths out there. Yeah, you, you only need me. one. It's true. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You only need one in your life, yeah, isn't it? As a public announcement, can I just ask if any of our listeners is that woman or if you know her whereabouts, could you just let everyone know that you're OK, please? Yes, please, because it, it, it haunts me and the poor guy in it. I just can't even think about it. That's not good. Well, real life is scarier than, than you know, our fiction. Well, it is. Yeah. People are scary. There could be 8 billion people on the planet and 99% of them are wonderful, but it's only that one person you need in your life can just turn it upside down. Completely. People are extremely... There's a lot more odd people out there than you actually realise. And there's been certain circumstances, like I remember filming one day, and this was terrifying, and we were, of course, because I was making like a horror type thing, we were out in the woods, and we were filming near these woods, and, and it was the first thing I ever made. This is like 2009, when I kind of had like VHS camcorder making things. And I remember walking back to the car, and there was this woman trying to get into the boot of my car. And we come walking along, we're like, you okay? And she turned around, and she goes, oh, I know you've got him in there. And I was like, what do you mean I've got him in there? She goes, my son's in the boot of your car. 
Was he? Oh, well, this is what I said. Oh, well, if he's in there, you must have put him there because there's nothing to do with me. And she was like, oh, I know he's in there. And she tried to attack me. Oh. And yeah, yeah, it just like, got totally out of hand. And the, the police ended up being called and found out. I was like, and I was like she's saying there's someone in the book. I'm like, you can look because I don't want anything to do with it. So there's something in there. She's put it there. It's nothing to do with me. And I opened the boot of the car. There's nothing in there. But that was absolutely terrifying. There are, there are. But because when you go out filming, you go to odd places. You go to places like, well, we want to go and do this. We want to do it somewhere secluded where we get left alone. And when you go there, you find other people who want to be left alone. It happened before. Another a, a very quick story. But yeah, one day, it was very early in the morning. We went out filming. There was this guy just, it was pouring down the rain. It was like, perfect. This is going to look good. We film it in the rain. There was just a guy sitting on a bench, statue still with the rain pouring down. And we was like, oh, don't worry about him. It's just, it's like five in the morning. We'll just get on with it. So we set up the camera, go to film this stuff. And all of a sudden, this guy just rises from the bench, walks over to us and starts growling and hissing like a cat. And it was just like, oh, shit, what have we done? And we all kind of stood there like, oh, oh. And he came straight over to me and scratched out towards me with his fingers as like a cat, like, and, and, and clawed at the air. And then he just run off. And I was like, that, that was, just, I was like, okay. And he just ran off into the bushes and disappeared. I was like, okay, well, we ain't doing this. I was like, I'm calling the police now. And I phoned the police up and I said, like, like you better come down here because I don't know what happened. But this guy just come bowling out of this, you know, off this bed. He jumped off this bench, tried to claw me like that and bowled off into these bushes and just disappeared somewhere. And they said, okay, give us a description. Give them a description and everything else. The day went on. They phoned me later on that day and they said, oh, yeah, thanks for bringing up about that. It was, um, there was a, 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 a mental health unit. And basically, there was a couple of guys who were sectioned and they managed to get out and they got on a train and they traveled down to where you live. And that was one of them who was sitting on the, on the bench who you encountered this morning. We've picked him up now, so it's fine. And you're thinking, oh, OK, thanks. They got him in with a, a fluffy mouse and a can of cat <laughs> And some catnip, a trail of catnip. Cat's catnip. Around, I don't know, 11 years ago, I was on a British reality TV show about sales. Um, <laughs> OK, yeah, random. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Random, random story. I can't give all the details because of the legalities, but somebody got very obsessed because I won. You know, it was a bit of money and a little bit. You know, I did the Harry Hill TV show and, you know, there were some opportunities. I didn't really enjoy it. It was hard. Reality shows, you know, as you were saying about this plastic fabricated reality. It's not reality in the slightest. It's really hard work. Of course. And I I was grateful for the opportunity. A man broke into my house and my girlfriend at the time, she was, it was an open plan downstairs she's in the kitchen and i remember vividly she just she's just pan frying some prawns the front door just explodes and this man comes in and it happens so quickly it's like what is going on but there's a little step to go into the living room and i'm not a brave man i'm not a fighter or you know i'm five foot six but he was smaller than me thankfully and he tripped on the step and somehow I managed to get to him in about, I don't know, two, three steps, just in a blink. I just put him in some kind of UFC sleeper hole. <laughs> and he just went limp. And I thought, oh, my God, I've killed him. So <laughs> I stood there. And my girlfriend at the time, she's behind me. She's got this pan of prawns. She didn't know where to throw it at him. And I'm like, leave him. The police came. He sat on the sofa. And he said, could he smoke? He'd come all the way from London. And wow. he, he had a, you know, we're talking Wales. And mm. I said, yeah, of course, you can have a cigarette. And uh, he was carted off and he had mental health issues. And his dad had to come all the way down from London to get him from Pembrokeshire. Obviously, a restraining order was placed upon him. I had to shut down all my Facebooks and all of that stuff and start again. And yeah, people can be strange. 
People can be very strange. And I think I think social media has helped highlight how strange people are. I think it has. I think social media has really highlighted things about people in terrifying ways. Because I, like I said, I like animals and everything else. And I, I, if, I, if I can do, if I can use like my skills, like I, I, I'm pretty good with a camera. If I can use that to help someone, like a, an animal charity, okay, can we take pictures of the, the, the animals for adoption? Or do, do you know what I mean? Yeah, like of something course. That was, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll do it. And there was a, a thing that went around on social media. And this is about, probably about five years ago now. I think it was in the newspapers as well. And, that, and it was just like, oh, yeah, cats are carrying this disease and it could kill humans. And the yeah. people of the cat home were just like, this is they shouldn't be printing things like that. That's terrible. Yeah. This isn't true. And we were there. I was there. And people were literally turning up with their cats. You, you better take that because I don't want to kill him, me. And you're just like, <laughs> OK. And there were just an influx of people just like bringing their animals there. And it's just like the, the whole thing, how social media can brainwash people is terrifying. Because yeah. if I said to you, right, I'm going I'm to come to your house, I'm going to put a machine in the corner of the room. And every day a sentient being will appear on the screen like a floating head. And the floating head's going to say to you, today you will hang a red flag outside of your window. And whether whatever the face on the screen says, you have to have hang the right flag out the window. You'd say, I'm not going to do that. It's just insane. Like, why would anyone in their right mind do that? But the thing is, you've got this thing in your pocket, this oracle you look at, and it tells you things and you believe them and you tell yeah. other people that they're true. Yeah. And, and, and you live your life to this thing. And it's it does terrify me it does terrify me absolutely absolutely spot on what's next for david irons what can we expect next i know you've been very very busy writing some more books i know you've been doing some projects yes there is you know as, as long as night waves is you know goes as well there's night waves 2 night waves 2 the hive nice uh, which is uh, subtitled that's uh, a thing that's going to happen and some other books that I've been working on. And one of the, the other books that I've done, I've actually sent out and I've picked up an agent uh, in New York, which is really nice. And it's Deserve an American it. book. Thank you. That's very nice of you to say. Honestly, uh, Night Waves is excellent, David. Honestly, it, it is absolutely perfect. It's the summer. We've got uh, Stranger Things coming out on July the 4th as time of this recording. And it just fits in perfectly with the 80s horror revival. And I'm not just saying that. It is such a good read pick it up enjoy it it's out there go and get it that's very nice of you to say your listeners do then i hope you enjoy it. i really do oh they will so where can people get night waves and how can people contact you uh you can get night waves basically uh physically if you walked into a bookstore and said can you order me a copy of night waves you can do that and you can find it on amazon and you can find it on my publisher's website which is john hunt publications if you go on there you can buy directly and if you want to find me on social media, I am David Irons Writer on Instagram and David Irons on Facebook. And definitely keep in contact with David, guys, because he has so many cool projects coming up. And with David, it's not just a book. You get a trailer, you get a music video, you get something that you can't play in front of your mother-in-law. And you've got all these cool <laughs> projects. And you can't play in front of anyone, I think some people. Yeah, yeah not, you know, you, you, you want to be, be listening on that on the, on the bus without headphones. And David's making waves, pardon the pun, but he's making waves and you're going to be hearing a lot more about him. His writing is excellent. He's an expert on horror. He's had a wealth of paranormal experiences and he's fused those together to make genuinely terrifying books based on his own fears of Brighton is becoming fabricated and losing its essence and its purity so please go out there read night waves follow david on instagram and on facebook 
check out his YouTube videos. Can you just run us the YouTube videos again? Because people really would need to see those. Just go into YouTube, go to the search bar and just type in Night Waves, two words, David Irons, and you, you'll find it all. If you do that, it's all there. There's the Tiffany's Tale, the, uh, the missing chapter, and you've got the music video and you've got the trailers. Now, normally at the end of the show, I do a little outro just thanking everyone. But tonight I'm going to do something a little different because with your permission, I'm oh. allowed to play the song from your promotional material. Is that correct? Yep. Yep. That's that's absolutely perfect. Yeah, you can take that. It's uh, the singer on the song is Roxy Drive and it's produced by Celerect LA Dreams. The guy has done lots of music for HBO TV series. And this is Celerect LA Dreams is kind of his synthwave project. And a shout out to Marty. She loves this song. She's been <laughs> nagging David for this song. And it's really catchy and it really ties in nicely with that whole 80s theme and that vibe. And you can enjoy it. So I'm going to play that in a moment. But I want a final question out of you, David. Go on. Do you sleep with the light on or off? Depends who's laying next to me. Oh, cheeky. And if you're in a bunk bed <laughs> or not, I guess now. Well, yeah, 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 yeah. Also, yeah. Light off with one eye open because you never know who's going to be standing there. That's very true. David, would you like to introduce the song that will be ending the show? Thank you. Uh, okay, thank you very much. This is Night Waves by Roxy Dryer. <laughs> 